0: There's a story told of a woman who invited all her friends for a special dinner. And desiring to impress them, she hired a maid, a butler, and a chef. And she purchased the best steaks she could find and a top brand of mushrooms to accompany them. When the chef noticed that the mushrooms seemed a bit discolored, the lady suggested that he feed a few to the dog. Since the hour was late and there was no time to purchase more mushrooms, she said if the dog eats them and doesn't get sick, they're probably all right. So the dog eagerly consumed the mushrooms and showed no signs of ill effects. Therefore, the chef completed the meal and served the guests. Later, as the dessert was being served, the maid hurried in and whispered to the lady of the house, ma'am, the dog is dead. Not waiting to hear any more, she leapt to her feet and told the guests they had no time to lose. They had eaten tainted mushrooms and must rush immediately to hospital. Later that evening, after the lady and her guests had returned from having their stomachs pumped, she asked the maid, where is the dog now? Out in the front garden, ma'am, replied the maid, where he crawled after the car hit him. (laughs) And I guess the moral of that story is that it's good to investigate a matter thoroughly before leaping to hasty conclusions, which may result in harsh consequences. And when the Bible talks about faith, we need to do the same. We need to investigate what kind of faith it is he's talking about, what that means, and how we live that out. For example, Hebrews 11 tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. Ephesians 2, Paul tells us that we are saved by faith. Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 5 that we are to live by faith and not by sight. Romans 14 tells us that whatever we do apart from faith is described as sin. Now, we all know the importance of faith in the life of a Christian. Faith defined as belief, complete trust and confidence in God. And in our Bible reading today, James talks about three different kinds of types of faith. But he emphasizes that only one of these faiths is is of worth and, and can actually save your soul. This morning, Nat has made a new step in his faith journey. Each of us here today are at different places in our faith journey. But if we're serious about our faith and our relationship with the Lord, we daily need to take stock and, 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 and we, uh, of our relationship with him and, and see what is expected of us as faithful followers of Jesus. And this morning we have this opportunity to take a close look at ourselves and what, our, what the kind of faith we have. And the first kind of faith, which James talks about, he calls a dead faith. In verses 14 to 17, he writes this. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of them says, go in peace, keep warm and get well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied by action. If not accompanied by action, is." is dead. James says that there are some Christians who just love to say the right thing, but never do anything about it. Real faith is more than just the words we say. It's more than just a memorised prayer or memorising scripture. There's a lot more, lot of people who, who with no faith who can quote scrip- scripture better than we can. Claiming that I have faith and knowing all the Christian words, knowing the buzzwords and what all the theology is about doesn't mean that I have faith. Just because I, have, I say I have faith doesn't mean I have faith. Just as if I said just if I could play the piano doesn't mean to say that I can. James is telling us just because you say you have faith doesn't mean you have faith. Faith is more than words. He's saying, don't tell me you have faith in God if your life hasn't been changed by the gospel. Don't tell me you have faith in God if your faith doesn't lead you to good works for God. Because this is a type of counterfeit faith and leads people to false confidence of eternal life. James is telling us this morning, if our walk does not measure up to our talk, or if our work does not measure up to our words, it could be because our faith is dead. Because no one can truly come to Christ by faith and remain the same. James then talks about another kind of faith in verses 18 to 19, he writes, but someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. James points out that even demons have a kind of faith, the kind that believes. They believe in God, they believe in the deity of Christ, but they don't obey him. So how does the, the kind of faith demons have relate to us? Well, we just heard that the Christian with a f- dead faith is a Christian who's been touched by intellect, perhaps, has the words. But the demons are touched also by their emotions. Notice that James says that the demons believe and shudder. Shudder gives us this, suggests this emotional involvement. So this faith it, it involves both intellect and emotions. And James is saying that that type of faith won't save you either. Re- real faith is more than just emotions and lip service. I tell you, if I was to shut my finger in the car door and you're walking by, I don't really want your sympathy and your prayers. I have a very real need right in front of me and that's to help me get my finger out of the door and perhaps ring an ambulance or get an ice pack. I need action. Real faith is practical, it's messy and it gets involved with people's needs. Our founder, General William Booth said, you cannot warm the hearts of people with God's love if they have an empty stomach and cold feet, many of us have had times when we got too, get too comfortable in our faith and neglect areas where we could keep growing. And many of us have gotten into a place in life where our faith is comfortably in a box and we take it out only for certain places like at church, home, around certain friends and families, but not around everyone. But faith is not a matter of convenience. Faith is not meant to be just a thought or a feeling that brings us comfort. It's meant to change the way we live and those around us. And James is telling us that being a Christian involves trusting Christ and living for Christ. In other words, first you receive the life and then you reveal the life. True saving faith goes beyond words and feelings and believing the right things. James describes a real genuine faith, a faith which is going to save you. He says that if you want a real saving faith, your faith needs to be an active faith. Well, we know from the Bible that this kind of faith is based upon the word of God. Romans 10 says, so then, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message comes through preaching Christ. In other words, this faith is an active faith because it involves our whole being, In our mind, we understand the truth. In our heart, we desire and rejoice in the truth. And the will acts upon the truth. And that's the faith that's genuine. It's not just an intellectual contemplation. It's not just emotional. It's a faith which leads to obedience in doing God's work. James elaborates this point by giving us two examples from the Old Testament, Abraham and Rahab in James 2, 20 to 26. He says this, you foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. Now, you couldn't get two more different people here. Abraham was the, the father of the Jewish nation. Rahab was a Gentile. Abraham was a godly man. Rahab was a prostitute. Abraham was the, was the friend of God. Rahab belonged to the enemies of God. So why did James use these two people to illustrate the point about faith and action? Well, the answer is found in what they both had in common, Regardless of their backgrounds or social status, they both exercised saving faith in God. Their active faith brought them onto an equal playing field in the sight of God. Abraham demonstrated his saving faith by his works in being obedient to God by offering his son as a sacrifice on the altar. Rahab also demonstrated her saving faith by her works by welcoming the spies of Joshua and protecting them. Abraham and Rahab's faith was genuine. Two times in this passage, James tells us that faith without works is a dead faith. Now, I'm no scholar, but clearly he is teaching us that faith only can never justify a person before God. If you want that saving faith, then James tells us in verse 422 what that looks like. You see that his faith and his actions were working together and his faith was made complete by what he did. His faith was made complete by what he did. You see what James is telling us here? He's telling us that people can know the scripture. They can be moved in their hearts by scripture. But if their faith doesn't prompt them to action, then it's going nowhere and it's achieving nothing as an old boatman painted the words faith on one oar (laughs) and the boat of his boat and 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 works on the other oar he asked when he was asked for his reason for this he he answer was that he kept one oar in the boat the one that said works he kept it in the boat and slipped the oar with faith into the water and rowed. and of course the boat just went round in circles and the boatman said now let's try it the other way around let's uh Put faith, bring faith out and put works in. So he swapped the oars around. I go again, the boat went in a tight circle, but this time in the opposite direction. And when the boatman returned to the dock, he explained, you see, to make a passage across the lake, one needs both oars working simultaneously in order to keep the boat in a straight and narrow way. James is telling us today that if you don't use both faith and works, you won't make any progress as a Christian in your faith journey. Genuine faith produces changed lives, good works, and social change. But there's a note to add to this. It's often tempting to think that we are saving ourselves or earning salvation by doing good deeds. People often have trouble with understanding that Jesus alone does the work of salvation, not us. Not our works or gifts, but only Jesus. No one deserves salvation more than another person. This does not mean that faith is passive. Faithful work is the result of our salvation, not the cause of our salvation. Faithful work is the result of our salvation, not the cause of our salvation. When James says in verse 14, can faith save you? He's not implying that we save ourselves through faith or good works, but that good works are are productive signs of our faith. Grace makes salvation possible, but obedient, active faith makes salvation actual. Grace makes salvation possible, but obedient, active faith makes salvation actual. So when a person responds in faith to God's offer of salvation, they're neither earning or deserving the gift, but only accepting it on the condition on which the Lord has promised to give it. Our human response of faith in it is itself a gift of grace from God, and this faith, if genuine, produces good works. General William Booth again said, faith and works should travel side by side, step answering to step, like the legs of men walking, first faith and then works, and then faith again, and then works again, until they can scarcely distinguish which one, which is the one and which is the other. In this way, our actions and our lives show people what we believe, witnessing to what Jesus has done for us and in us. Faith doesn't exist in a box. Faith truly becomes faith when you, when you take it out and exemplify it for the world to see, for the world around you to see. I wonder how you live out a faith that believes that Jesus Christ came for all and has a, a place in the kingdom. This also means that that we shouldn't be ashamed to be a living testimony to God's grace and mercy. It's impossible to truly be the church we are called to be if we keep our faith in a box or in a building or, or one day a week and we never let it change us or the world around us. It's not just about responding personally in faith, but that response also has implications for the world in which we live. The kingdom of God flips the value systems of our broken world upside down. And as Christians, we are called to to, to live as kingdom people here and now. If the values of your faith do not play out in your social existence, then it's questionable if you really hold these values in your personal existence. John Wesley said, Christianity is a social religion. To turn it into a solitary affair is to destroy it. I wonder what your faith looks like today is it a genuine faith or is it dead Is it just all words or is it like the demons you've got the emotion of it and the words of it but it's not really going anywhere or is your faith an active faith do you live it out in your front lines wherever that may be or is it stuck in a box in honesty you and god are the only people that really can answer that question But I really hope and pray that it is a faith that is lived out in kingdom values every day, wherever you are. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that by your grace we have been made alive in Christ. And have the Holy Spirit living within, who breathed his breath of life into our dead spirit the moment we trusted Christ as our saviour. We pray that our faith may be a living faith that produces the good works that you have prepared for each of us to do and is not a dead, fruitless faith. And we pray that others may see Christ living in us and working through us so that your name would be glorified in our lives. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.